Hello everyone, I am Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social and we are live here. It's a Friday, it's the end of the week. We've all had a long week, but relax now and join me with a fantastic guest who I've actually met this week. Now I've met, we can see each other online, but we originally spoke on Instagram. Charlie Edmonds from FAF. I love saying FAF. Here we go, we'll get my bell. Bit of FAF. Um, The FAF is the, let's go for it, the Future Architects Front. And as I said before this, Charlie, you bulldozed onto Instagram. I was like, what is what is all this faff about? So do you want to say hello to everyone and tell us about the faff? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, faff was, um, you know, it was one of those things where you, you, you sort of reverse engineer the, the acronym you want in a way. Yeah. Um, like we we were sort of looking at a few, and then Faf, I was just like, ah, oh, I love it. Um, and then yeah, you know, it, it was it was kind of a bit of a cheeky sort of uh, poke at Reba because of course Reba have their own future architects, and so we were a bit like, well, what if we were to take that and make it ours? Uh, mm. So it was li- little bit of a, a funny acronym, little bit of a a sort of like cheeky sort of uh taking your own term and uh using it for ourselves kind of approach i love it i i think cheeky is definitely a good is it cinnamon it's definitely am i inventing words here cinnamon you che- synonym? so faff right okay yeah, so yeah. let's talk about future architects front so my first perception was you guys are loud and proud, and you've got something to say. So you come on. You were <laughs> yeah. calling me out. You were calling Reba out. You're calling everyone for conversation. But that's the yeah. nice thing because. So what is this for anyone that hasn't seen what all the faff is about mm. on Instagram? So the Future Architects Front, you have an open letter addressed to Reba, and do you want to tell everyone about the open letter and what is faff about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um... Essentially, we are sort of responding to a condition in the architecture profession that I think almost everyone is aware of, almost Mm. everyone has experienced to some extent, um, and is sort of like part of the culture in a way. Uh, And so, of course, we're talking about things like exploitation in practice, um, where we're talking about uh abusive work environments um mm. and sort of the 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 numerous sort of systemic faults that we see in architecture uh profession and education at the moment so we were sort of looking at how a lot of these problems have been exacerbated by the pandemic um the the thing that really sort of like uh i, I suppose pushed me into start doing things was the the article uh the the information released by uh the architects union uvw saw that found that during the pandemic a number of practices had you know sort of claimed like furlough payments from the government and then they'd kept their employees working full-time despite Mm. that they'd sort of been spying on employees through their webcams and just sort of like really like cartoon villain levels of like unethical behavior and so you know that 
combined with our, our own sort of experiences of being graduates and students in this current sort of architectural system we have right now basically mm. led us to this point where we wanted to sort of put together uh, a, a sort of little body of research that just kind of like summed up how a lot of architectural assistants and junior practitioners are feeling right now. So yeah. we first conducted a survey which received uh, 166 responses uh, and we looked at questions like um, sort of have you ever worked on paid overtime, which was, uh, let's see here, 88% have worked on paid overtime. Uh, yeah. We looked at, do you feel supported by Reva? 96% said, no, we don't feel supported by Reva. Ooh. And in addition to these sort of like data gathering questions, we also collected uh, individual experiences of practice. So we also got 120 sort of, written experiences uh, from architectural assistants about things that had happened to them while working uh, and studying architecture. And um, altogether, it painted a very sort of damning uh, portrait of the current state of things. And so then we decided to write the open letter as a way of sort of bringing all of that information and feedback we got in the survey sort of trying to represent all of those voices in one open letter calling for uh sort of large-scale systemic change uh and um that sort of took the form of five demands which were to uh end unpaid overtime in rebuchartered practices provide effective oversight on the architectural assistant role uh, for there to be greater transparency in Reba's budget mm. and spending decisions, to establish a more representative governing body, and accountability for exploitative work environments. So that was a sort of <laughs> big overview of, I suppose, the last uh, two months of, of work from sort of beginning to now. And now we're at the point where we have over 600 signatures on the letter. So, you know, it's 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 been rolling along very fast yeah and and i signed it and at first i remember because when we were, we were booking in the 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 podcast was like right i gotta write i've gotta read this but i was like if i don't agree with it we'll do the podcast i'm not gonna sign it just to sign it but i do mm. think that actually a lot of what's in there is valuable um points of view and the stuff you raise is a factual because these are people that have offered their experiences i highly mm. doubt anyone's having a giggle answering your survey as a fake part two. It sounds like people are going to be doing this from a place of experience. And I think that was interesting. When I was a part two, I had the um, EPR architects. They were really good to me. Mm. Uh, what, the thing is, though, I did work experience at another architectural practice, which I'm not going to name. It's <laughs> they're not on my LinkedIn profile. And I had the <laughs> okay. opposite experience of EPR architects who were good employers. Mm. And I had um, a culture of getting work out for a deadline mm -hmm. where I was working long hours. And it was my birthday on a Friday. And when I was leaving at like half six on the Friday or seven, mm -hmm. uh, the practice owner was like, can you work tomorrow on the weekend? And I said, well, I'm going out for my birthday tonight, Yikes. so probably can't. And he was like... 
well, it's my birth. It was my wife's birthday, and I was here the other week or two. And he actually said that to me, and I remember thinking, That's "Hey, so convoluted." This, yeah, I was like, "Hey, this is your architectural practice, not mine." Right, right. And I'm not married to you, but yeah, it was my yeah. it was it was my birthday, and I remember thinking, "Wow!" And so I've had the polar opposite. So EPR Architects, AJ100 Company, there mm. was a culture where there was very little. Um, and still is to this day, very little working uh, late and and mm-hmm. it would happen once in a blue moon and they were generally good about it. Yeah. I remember I worked one day late on the, uh, they asked me if I would volunteer to go on the weekend and then they give me, because I did, they give mm-hmm. me the Monday off. Do you know what I mean? Because they mm-hmm. had a deadline and I felt I was fine because they approached me well in advance. They asked yeah, yeah. me and they kind of done it the right way. Mm-hmm. Whereas this other architectural practice that I went for two weeks work experience and climate. yeah, and there was another scenario in it when, because he, the individual was really under pressure with a deadline, and I sympathise for that. But there was one example, right, Charlie? And you think mm. it's interesting when I was there, he was looming over my computer <laughs> screen. So you know how this feels already. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like holding like that. the hand that's moving the mouse. Yeah, and so of, I was yeah. moving on the screen, and then whenever mm-hmm. I do something that was going wrong, he'd be like. <gasps> No, what are you doing? <laughs> and then I was like petrified, like I was just like, what do you do it? Yeah, do I you- felt like, but of course, I it was like that thing of like I felt privileged to be there, but then I was embarrassed I wasn't doing it right. And yeah, it was this yeah, weird yeah. like scenario. Yeah. So you're right. I've seen two sides of it. What yeah. I would say, and this I would love to get your thoughts on this, is because I think a lot of practices are doing it the right way. But there's unfortunately companies which, um, how do I say it, and maybe aren't embracing the modern way of doing things. And there's mm. like that archaic, uh, well, I suffered, so you should, Gordon Ramsay throw. Right, kind of like uh, the, the cycle pan. of abuse mentality. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm trying to make you the best kind of architect you should be. You know, like Gordon Ramsay, he's like, right, yeah, right. we said we first swear, and Gordon Ramsay's like, you fucking asshole, yeah, you this yeah, and yeah. that. And then he like, throws a pan, but yeah, people putting, are like. Putting bread on either side of your head and calling you an idiot sandwich, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like it's 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 almost sounds funny until you realize it's a real person that's in the middle of the idiot sandwich, and how hurtful yeah. is that? Is that so? I mean, what's your opinion on this? So when you wrote this, and it was towards Reeb, um, yeah. Um, one of the questions I have is, um, I make sense why you're challenging a conversation with Reeb. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts about an open letter to? architectural practices as well or did you write this to reba mm. to kind of champion the issue and be on behalf of the architecture industry what's your thoughts yeah i mean in, in a way yes um the the reason that we decided to uh direct it towards reba was because um uh, uh, there's, there's a sort of a few reasons so one is that you know, one of the people that inspired us to do this was uh, UVW saw the the Architects Union, and great. you know, from our point of view, they're already doing a great job in terms of unionizing workers uh, to sort of campaign for better treatment in practice. Yeah. So, from our point of view, they are already doing that sort of work, and you know, they're doing a great job at it. Um, yeah. So that that was part of it. The other part is that at the end of the day, I think something that we, especially in architecture, forget is that at the end of the day, 
these practices, regardless of how uh, austere their sort of reputation is, regardless of how respected they are in the community, they are just businesses. And at the end of the day, they're regardless of what they say about their sort of artistic vision and you know creative drive, that kind of thing. At the end of the day, their first priority is to make money because that's that's how a business works. If yeah. if, you, if your first priority is not to make money, you usually go out of business. And so, basically, what we what, what we're sort of seeing, I think, is kind of the the inherent problem with that system, which is where we've seen architects sort of progressively over the years devalue themselves in a sort of competitive uh, way of trying to get more work. So you, you undercut each other, you undercut each other to exactly. the point where today the profession is just outrageously undervalued. Um, and so yeah. basically what we're thinking is like, Practices are always going to make these financial, these financially rooted decisions, and there's not so much that we can do about that, uh, you know, without creating a new economic system for us to operate within, which is a very, very big challenge. <laughs> so yeah, the so what we thought was, well, okay, how do you sort of push back against? Um, a company's drive to make money at whatever cost. Well, you create regulations. You create sort of standards of practice that everyone has to follow. Um, and who is sort of the leading voice on that? It's Reba. So essentially, the reason we sort of looked to Reba is because they are the ones that sort of set the standard of how architecture practices should organize and should uh be run so mm. they they're th th though they do not have the sort of direct power to influence practices uh that maybe some think they do they still have a lot of influence and they still have a very important role in that architectural ecosystem so mm. that that was sort of the, the 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 primary motivation um in addressing this to them for, for, from our side yeah, I think it make it makes sense. And look, Reba, I mean, it is the Royal Institute of British Architects, so quite right. They've been around you say, a while, yeah. Yeah, it's like, come on, Reba, you got to get your got to get your your weight on um, and your yeah, opinion earn, on this. Earn that fancy title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Royal. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think I I do think they're trying. It's what what you is because it's such a large organization. It'd be really interesting to see. I think they're so the open letter, right? And so for anyone that hasn't checked it out already, you can find that out on. I'm looking here. You've got your you've got your link tree, haven't you? So you can go on the Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's all there. You can find the open letter. We'll put it on the architecture social somewhere quite clearly as well. I'll post it after this. Or I think you did, didn't you, Charlie? You posted it as well. Yep. I will. Oh, what I'll do is in this podcast. We'll put it the link to the open letter there mm. as well. Okay, okay great. So, like in the so show notes or something. Yeah, yeah we'll do that. Cool. But what I think, what I, I just want to go back to. So we've addressed Reba, and what I would love to do as well is that I'm going to add a little bit of a spin to this. This is kind of okay. my piece as well. Is that I think it's great that we're discussing this with Reba, but I'd like to almost like 
get this open letter. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to make p- uh, architectural practices aware of it. So here's my mm-hmm. thoughts on this, right? So you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. There's one of the, re- there's a few factors that, um, let's just focus even on working long hours right now. Okay. You're totally right that if the fees on a, on a, on a job are low, basically mm-hmm. is, ugh, I hate to use the analogy, but shit runs downhill. And that's why sometimes <laughs> what happens is a low fee, it's mm. almost called a suicide bid, and you're right, where yeah. basically it means maybe less people are on the team, which means that the people currently on the team then have more responsibility. Mm-hmm. They have to work longer hours, and generally what may, happens is that those people are quite rightly unhappy. Now, there's been... There's two parts to the problem is that like uh, there's one or two famous architectural practices I'm thinking of, which, <laughs> okay. Okay. Have a guess online. Have a little think um, <laughs> where there's a culture known for long hours. Part of the problem though, is that if an architect leaves for working long hours at a prestigious architectural practice, mm. there's someone that's going to clambering for that job and so I think a lot of what you, you, you're you talking about, what is good is that with the FAF and what you're saying, Charlie, is that we've got to take a bit of responsibility to talk about it, but we've got to, you've got to stick by it as well. And the pro- mm. one of the problems will happen is if, um, as an industry, we like you, you're saying, the fees need to go high. We need to get our own value, our own self-worth, both <clears throat> yeah. as a business and as a professional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I like about this is, yeah, you shouldn't be working long hours. I mean, that's one of the reasons why um, I'm one of the incentives of moving away from directly in architecture is that um, I didn't want to work long hours. Mm. But to what, where I'm going with this, so just to bring it back online, is that before I go ranting, because this is my favorite subject to rant on, is long hours in architecture and all yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what businesses need to learn is that. If you don't look after staff, mm-hmm. they leave, mm-hmm. right? And it's expensive, Charlie, to get a recruitment consultant in. If you say now, right, you're running Charlie Architecture Practice, and we're going to be in a, we're going to be in a distant, um, we're going to be in a parallel universe, okay? Yeah. I design and only you, uh, Pizza Hut exteriors. You, you know, you, just, you know the nineties ones with the, you, the the big hat on top of the building. I used to love those. <laughs> Okay, so you got your pizza, you're making a lot of money, and you've got yeah. like 100 people, and you're the opposite of what you're talking about. And you're saying, Steve, okay. these pizza huts, pizza huts <laughs> driving me down on the costs. I've got bills <laughs> to pay, I've got my Lamborghini, I've got, I'm keeping 100 people in the job. Yeah. And I, you know, and what, what happens is, is that I'm saying we're mates, and I'm like, Charlie, mm-hmm. people, you're, you're working people too hard, you mate. And mm-hmm. then, and then you go, yeah, yeah, whatever, Steve. Just I got to do this next Pizza Express or whatever. And then after that, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll look at it. I'll look at it after the deadline. What happens is, is then people start leaving Charlie's Architects, and you mm-hmm. go, Steve, everyone's leaving, and they say, I bloody told you so, mate, because you're <laughs> driving everyone crazy. And then you go, Well, I need to find new people now. Mm-hmm. So already the reputation of Charlie's Pizza Enterprise is awful because you work people like a dog. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, is that I then go, sure, Charlie, I'll recruit for you. Yeah. And you go, cool. How much is that? And I'll go, it's probably between 15 to 20% of someone's base salary. And so then at that point you go, Jesus Christ, Steve, yeah. how is it so expensive? Yeah, and yeah. this is what I'm trying to get at is recruitment 
is expensive. Mm. And so actually, uh, there's a good example that you might try. There was like a head of well-being at Stride Treadlown. Um, I hope I said the company's name right. Stride Treadlown, <laughs> sorry. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Mm. And she basically, I saw a presentation by her and it was amazing. So she was like head of well-being. They never had that role before. They never heard of it. And she went into a meeting with the board of directors, right? And was like, okay, I'm going to go and we're going we're gonna to make, make sure that people don't work X amount of hours over. Everyone's going to have um, on like a Friday afternoon a bit of time to uh, do their own research. And their first reaction is from the board of directors. They were like, are you crazy? Uh, what the heck? We can't. We, we're already struggling as it is. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is she then put in place this amazing supportive structure. And what happened is, Charlie, that suddenly people stopped taking sick days. The sickness right. in the practice went down huge. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. were happy then to go to work. And because it wasn't ex- expected, mm-hmm. when there was overtime, they went, do you know what, Charlie? We'll do the Pizza Express. I'll do it with you. We'll do the late nights. We'll do it. And then suddenly people wanted to go to work and it, and it was their choice how much they worked and it mm. wasn't expected. And it suddenly then became a really fantastic place to work. And that's where I think that what's amazing and what you're doing is calling out an issue. I think, though, that maybe one of the ways that we can get there is almost educating architectural practices at the cost savings mm. of actually treating uh, people a little bit more in some cases, more human. I mean, there's some good practices doing it, but yeah, maybe yeah. to the practices which have still got that old culture, maybe that's one way of doing it. I mean, what's your thoughts on my long tirade? Um, I think it's sort of, I think the experience you had is representative of like a larger issue with anyone who is sort of campaigning for any kind of equity, which is that the thing you're campaigning for is going to benefit everyone in the long term. Even yeah. even the people at the top will benefit from greater equity in the long term for exactly the reasons that you just sort of went into. Like even though it appears to be a threat, it appears to be a cost, it is better for everyone in the long term. Yeah. I think the problem that you face with any campaign for equity is that the people who have the most influence, the most systemic influence and who are going to be making the decisions which sort of create the change that you want to see or do not create the change that you want to see. You know, they the, it, 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 it's part of this larger problem that is the, the people in power got there through the way things are and through the status quo. So right. any discussion about changing the status quo or changing the way that things are, even if it would be a net benefit to everyone, still appears to be a threat and still appears to be, you know, challenging that person's place in the world. So I, and and the problem with like, you know, I, I really would love to believe that you could just go to Patrick Schumacher and be like, look, Patrick, treat your work is better and like it'll be better for you in the long run but i really don't think that <clears throat> i really don't think that patrick schumacher is going to sit down and listen to me i don't think patrick schumacher is going to sit down and listen to anyone i think the problem with the people who are sort of like right at the top of these positions is that they 
and this this perhaps is where maybe I'm a little too cynical, is that I think that they will only respond to overwhelming numbers of people trying to create change. I, I don't know if you can l- sort of gently educate them into a better no. way of working. Um, <laughs> You can so, chip away, but what I like as well is your attitude where you came in like a bull in the china shop and like, cause sometimes <laughs> it's like, you gotta like, it's like, uh, that's why I got the horn a bit. It's like, it's, it's, it's so jarring in a conversation that it almost wakes sometimes people up in the room and you're right. Actually going slowly about these issues mm. is going to take time. And I think that there's nothing wrong here and doing it in a way that grabs people's attention. But what I like is that even though you're talking to me, you're open to a discussion with Reba. You're open. It's, it, the important thing is conversation about this issue. And yeah. not everyone needs to agree on everything. Um, but what they do is need... We all agree that there is an issue that I think in architecture there is has been there has been a culture of long hours, low pay. I mean, it is what people... It's funny that at first... You got two people. So anyone that hasn't worked in architecture will go, "Oh, you're an architect. You're rich, aren't you?" And then anyone, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then anyone in the industry is just like, "It's tough." And yeah. of course, there's some beautiful things to it. It's not all doom and gloom. I mean, the idea that you can build a building and or a school right now or, or a hospital and improve people's life. There's a mm. reason why we all get into it. But you're right. It wouldn't it just be nice if it wasn't such pain for some people and so that's yeah. why i feel like it, this offers a lot of value so let's go over them more so that's i'm curious so we got number one which was end unpaid overtime mm-hmm. in all reba chart uh, charter practices okay well that makes sense because reba <clears throat> um yeah. if you're a reba charter practice they in theory could influence that right so yeah you if you're uh, a, a chartered practice you have to agree to a set of conditions laid out by Reba. So for example, one of them that already exists is the fact that if you're a Reba chartered practice, you should be paying people the living wage as opposed to the minimum wage. Um, yeah. I've read a lot of experiences that that is not always the case, but that is in the sort of contract that you sign to become a Reba chartered practice. So there, there is, there is precedent for introducing these kind of, uh, regulations uh for chartered practices yeah i think well look i just somewhat my position on this i'm seeing a few things is that i do not think anyone who is a part one or part two if someone offers you an unpaid um role Mm -hmm. if it's for a short period of time maybe have a think about what skills you could learn but truthfully i would do the unpaid role and soon as i'm there i would look i'd be looking for a paid role Probably. Mm. I'd be looking for a paid role using Google in the office, looking yeah, for yeah, a paid yeah. role. And yeah. don't ever let anyone tell you that you have to work unpaid, right? It's You really don't. So you should, the first thing you should do yeah. is be looking for a paid job. Yeah. And the other thing is, from a, a business point perspective, the last person that I'd want to work on my project is unpaid because... Say now, let's use Charlie's Architects theory, right? And mm-hmm. you're not paying me. Say now I bodged up the pizza um, yeah, thing. The, the you're big, like, Steve, the big what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, you haven't paid me. What yeah, liability right. do what, I have? What re- I, yeah, I, what what onus do I have to yeah, I, do a good I, job? I owe you nothing. So I go, you know what, Charlie? Yeah. You can do it your bloody self then. Yeah. So I think I've, that's where I think actually – 
Um, yeah. Anyone that's saying they will offer an unpaid uh, role to someone is it's a poor business decision. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's it is it is it is technically illegal in the UK to to offer an unpaid position. So, I mean, that that's why we're sort of specifically looking at unpaid overtime, where you are getting a salary, um, but you you you. So, something that was really fascinating to me from the experiences that we collected was certain people had tallied up their hours of unpaid overtime. And what they figured out was that if you uh, work your salary out per hour, a lot <laughs> oh, gosh, of architectural like assistants low. are working below minimum wage. Oh, fair so, enough. So, you know, it's, it is uh, like, I, w- w- when you talk about like, you know, sort of like a, 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 a good practice that only asks people to work, you know, unpaid overtime occasionally, like, yeah, maybe that wouldn't make that big of a difference to, to your hourly salary. But yeah, some practices are really like taking it to the point where your your hourly salary is below minimum wage. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with you there. Sorry, my um, I I I must admit, maybe it's because my Friday my Friday brain was dropping off, and I kind of thought I was unpaid jobs. But you're right, unpaid overtime. Yeah, I mean, it, that that is still a problem. To be fair, but 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 that is um that is a problem that Reba have. To some extent, addressed because in in the agreement you have to sign to become a reader charter practice, you have to agree to pay anyone who works for you, whether they're a student, whether they're a professional, whatever. Um, so so to be fair to Reba, they have already sort of <laughs> cut. Well, to be a little bit fair to Reba, they put it in the contract. <laughs> they're not very good at enforcing it, right. but it's in the contract. So you, they see- they haven't done nothing on that front, and I, I'll well, give them that. See, you see, you faff, you are nice. You know, you give you give Reaper a little brownie point there. Yeah, isn't it? See, I, I, you're, I will. You're, I will say they all, haven't all done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair, look, I think um, end unpaid overtime in all Reaper charter uh, practices. It's a definitely good conversation. And the bit that I would like to throw in is that I think it should be end expected unpaid overtime. And I think expected is a really interesting word because. What I think is it should be more power. If, I, if I'm working for you, it's my mm-hmm. choice. And you shouldn't. But where's interesting, and you've got all the stories in here as well, mm-hmm. is the play on that, that the fact that most people in an actual practice, mm-hmm. they feel, I feel like and a lot of people, you, you almost need to have the confidence to realize that you don't have to do it, but it's almost made to feel like you're expected to do it. I can totally see it happening where you're part of a team everyone's working because they've got this in the video game industry as well and it's a big problem called crunch and and you know with cyberpunk which came out it was all over the news and it's that implied yeah yeah, you know it's that implied thing right of like well charlie but i'm working and john's working and dave's working so why are you gonna because if you don't work you can go charlie but then you're putting the rest of us in a pinch yeah and yeah and it's it's an interesting example of you know, it's almost like reverse solidarity, where traditionally when you talk about worker solidarity, you're talking about workers coming together to campaign for better rights. But it's almost been flipped on its head in a lot of companies where now the pressure is, well, I'm working for free. Why aren't you working for free? Yeah. And it's, it's such and- a bizarre, like, parody of what, you know, solidarity is supposed to be amongst employees. Totally. I mean, I've got an example with it. So in architectural recruitment, for instance, okay, so my fees get pushed down as well. And mm. so I've got some 
Um, I've had I've got a few architectural practices which work with me on recruitment. And so the way architectural practice uh, recruitment works is that you get a percentage base. So if I introduce you um, to let's say uh, a practice like EPR Architects where I work, they will pay me X percentage of your annual salary, right, mm-hmm. for the introduction. That doesn't come out of your salary or anything. That's just the fee. So the introduction is like a few thousand pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot, but it's a lot of man hours onto it. But I yeah. get the same thing, right, where some architectural practices will hammer my fees down and they go, well, we pay low fees, so you should as well. And then the right, bit I've right. learned now is that I always say, look, Charlie, I can work at a lower <clears throat> fee for you, but it's exactly like the way you do architecture. So what are we cutting out of the process here? Okay, I can't no longer, I can't meet the candidates anymore because I'm not being paid to do that. I can't thoroughly check their background. Uh, I can't sit down and get their true minions because the fees are cut, so I'm just willing CVs over. And what's interesting then is that suddenly um, companies then realize that they want the service of the higher fee. Um, Mm. But what I've learned is now I stay stronger to my views on my worth what my time is not working three hours. And I think yeah. to to go to your point there, you hit the nail on the head. It's this whole thing of working for free, mm-hmm. getting paid low fees and committing to things where you're put under pressure. And then that kind of has an, a negative knock on effect. So yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've, I've felt it as well. So the other thing, let's talk about some of the other points that you've got here. Mm. So this one is going to be an interesting, this is, this is a definitely interesting point. Provide effective <clears throat> oversight on the architectural assistant role. Mm. Holy moly, the, the Pandora's box of the architectural assistant. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm technically architectural assistant. Now, first of all, and this is my opinion before you even go into it, mm-hmm. I always, it's so awkward, isn't it, sometimes when you say architectural assistant, because it sounds like I'm literally sharpening pencils for a bloody architect. Right. It sounds like you're carrying the drawings. Yeah. But I studied it for five years and I worked in the industry for three mm-hmm. years and mm-hmm. I'm an architectural assistant. So yeah. so can you, in your words, um, yeah, run through your thoughts on this, why you, you put this in the open letter as well? Yeah. So the... The, 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 the second um, demand about the oversight for the architectural assistant role, um, in a lot of ways, that is what kicked this all off for me personally, was, you know, I, I graduated myself, uh, I finished my master's degree um, last year, and like many people, you know, I'm then in this sort of pandemic job search world, oh. and uh, which is a wonderful place to be. Uh, no, it and, definitely um, isn't. What uh, what I kept seeing was I kept seeing these uh, ads for mm. and you know working in recruitment I'm sure you know about this part yeah. two with two three whatever years of experience and you know as a graduate you're kind of sitting there thinking what did I do all of this uh, education <laughs> and part one for like if, if, if now I've done two degrees, I've paid uh, 45 grand to universities and you're telling me I'm not qualified that something's not working. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 the problem, you know, as, as we see it is that the role is 
ambiguous about what it's supposed to be. And when there's ambiguity in sort of, particularly in some kind of like business relationship, the person who benefits from the ambiguity is the person in power because they Mm. can take advantage of the ambiguity. So, and the, the ambiguity I'm talking about is that Reba themselves define an architectural assistant as a student working in practice to gain experience. Right. So it's very clearly defined from the outset as part of your education, right? You, you, you do it to learn, you do it to move towards qualifying as an architect. Yeah. It's not supposed to be a position where you purely provide value to your employer. The the idea is that it's sort of like a mutually beneficial relationship, but the way it's being put into practice by architectural practices is this completely one-sided approach of we want you to have experience, we want you to give us the maximum amount of value that we can squeeze out of you and our responsibilities for educating you, looking at your PDR sheets, all of that, that all comes sort of as secondary tertiary priorities. So the problem is that the the role is just simply not working in the way that it was intended to work. And mm. Reba seems to just be totally nonplussed about it. They They seem very happy for it to continue in this kind of uh, dysfunctional manner that it's already in. And, you know, the other issue is that it, it, it also gives, like I said, ambiguity benefits the person in power. It gives practices the opportunity to hire people with the same experience as an architect, but because they're coming in into these entry-level positions, they can pay them less. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, and that's not something that all practices do. So, you know, some practices will pay by experience, but it's it's something that can happen. And yeah. it it's just it's it, it it's yeah the 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 pathway to qualification the architectural assistant role it it is currently just very dysfunctional there's there's a lot of uh, opportunity for exploitation in that pathway and it it just it just needs some sort of reassessment it needs some kind of work done to make it. Uh, functional yeah i agree i mean i'm i'm like i said so i'm an architectural assistant mm-hmm. and so i was interesting what was the actual quote you mentioned it was that it's the someone in pursuit of becoming an architect well i'm yeah the, the the definition is a student employed by practice okay i am the worst architectural assistant in the world then because i haven't been in architecture for ages and do you know what's yeah that really resonated with me personally because mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few things going on here where actually you're right. On um, I think that what's interesting is that salaries normally jump up the moment someone gets qualified. Mm-hmm. And if you're an architectural assistant which has industry experience, <clears throat> I would agree with you that they're m- most likely on a lesser salary than their architect's counterpart yeah. Yeah. who knows just as much. Mm. So that is one of the problems. And... Yeah, the other thing that I find is, I mean, this isn't necessarily, uh, this is more of a bigger issue with education, but you're right. The actual cost of now getting a degree and diploma, Mm -hmm. this kind of puts more pressure on the problem. And 
I remember reading, I think it was, what's his name years ago? There was a real president. Was it Stephen Hall? I want to say Stephen Hall. The, I remember, the, all of the na- all of the names of every Reba president sounds exactly the same to me. It's always really? like Alan Cumbersome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, so this Stephen guy, right? Uh-huh. He um he basically what did he say? He said something like he was looking at re changing the the Reba system, right? Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed. You're right. I remember at the time he was like, well. I'm thinking that a part two, if they've done a few years in industry, they can then become an architect or there's a pathway to yeah. it. And I was like, I remember reading it thinking, brilliant, Charlie, this is how I do it without doing my part three. Cause I'm, yeah. because I can just say, well, technically yeah. I've been in the industry and yeah, that hasn't changed. So no. we've basically got this older model, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you've got, you need your three years and your part one. You know, first year's a bit of a giggle. You're kind of hungover <laughs> and never going to the class. Second year gets a bit yeah. more serious. Third year. You, now, what's interesting is, though, an architecture career, um, degree in diploma, I thought it was personally really the skills you learn um, are shit hot, right? You can, there's no doubt that uh, presenting work and crits and, you know, being destroyed and all that stuff can set you up for these <laughs> yeah. really good skills in life. And yeah. like us now, we're on a podcast, we're doing all this stuff because. You learn all these amazing skills. The issue is, though, I, you know, the year above me, I remember they were paying £1,500 per year. I got really upset. You're going to be jealous of me, though, because I paid £3,000 a year. Oh. You paid how much? God knows how much. How much nine, did you pay? 9000 9, a year uh, tuition fees. Yeah. Uh, you know, let, let alone, like, Accommodation. Rent, uh, accommodation, you know. Carlsbergs. And, et cetera, you know. et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, yeah it, it it just becomes something that you just kind of, a, a, a lot of people like, you know, uh, who went to university in the 9K plus years, I think the majority have just acknowledged that they will just never pay it back because really it, it does get, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it does get written off when you are 50, I think. I uh, think by I that age, if you haven't that. paid it off yet, they're just like, wipe the slate clean. So to me, I'm just like, well, never going to pay it off. So might as well borrow as much as I can. Um. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't. The problem is, is that yeah, it's suddenly an expensive career for yep. the salary that you're going to get paid, and then the 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 problem is, is that it goes back to then you've got to really enjoy the job. Um, it's going to be almost it's like a life choice architecture because um, you've got to really want to enjoy it. And mm. then it kind of goes back to the other issues where you raised before. Of it gets really hard to enjoy it if you're working in the culture where you're working long hours and low pay. Yeah. And so, do you get what I mean? So the, there's this world of pain that you're building up, Charlie, <laughs> that you discover. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. you pay a lot and then you work hard. And I so there's so many facets going on mm. which um, kind of build up to this. But at the same time, I'm like you, I think that you can't just go, oh, well, this is a bigger problem than me and we don't set the tuition fees. We've all got to look at it and slowly chip away at making things, places more pleasant for people to work. I think that's yeah. the I think that's the big thing. And the architectural assistant loophole, you're right, because I am stuck now, okay? So let's pretend I give up yeah. recruitment and I want to go back to architectural practice. Mm-hmm. I am in a world of pain because yep. suddenly – my salary and my worth goes back down to mm-hmm. 28 20, to 30 grand. 20 
28 is the average right now, yeah. So I'm screwed. That's in London, by the way. Not not anywhere else. 28 if you're in London. Anywhere else, it'll be lower than that. I know a practice will do 32 grand. Okay. I yeah, think. no, I mean, they, they, they exist, but like the, <laughs> the, on, on the current Reaper pay scale, 28 in London is, is the average, I think. It's too low, really. It should be more. It should be 30. Like, I'm just saying, like, my opinion, at least. Yeah. Well, it, no, should, be, I mean, it no. should be as high as possible. You're right. I mean, if the I, fees... Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think it's, it's different. Well, okay. I can say this factually. How about this, Charlie? So I was on £30,000 as mm-hmm. a part two in 2012. Mm-hmm. So nine that's what you had nine years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what I was on. So that's um, not even adjusting for inflation. No, so, so that's exactly. less actually. That's actually yeah. getting paid less now than nine years ago. Yeah, and, and there you go. And I can say that because that was a fact. And I felt at the time that um, EPR architects were extremely generous with the salary, and they are quite good with salaries. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was paid a lot more than some of my mates. Oh, and that's uh, yeah, and that's no, embarrassing. There's, there's, isn't so it? Many, you could... there's so many horror stories. Like you know, if if you look through the experiences in the letter, you know, I I think. Yeah, the, the, it was like seventeen thousand was something I saw for like a part one. Um, sixteen and a half thousand, like really, really, like as low as you can sort of get, to be honest. Um, yeah, and the the other interesting loophole which I didn't know about uh, before reading through all of those experiences in the letter was that a lot of practices use uh, freelance positions to basically pay people below minimum wage. So uh, how does that work? I don't see because I, I deal with I've uh, in terms of recruitment I've had contractors contracting at companies and yeah. they actually did get decent money. Mm-hmm. But so this interesting this freelance thing you want is this more um, you've heard people that are architectural assistants which are being freelancers? Is that yeah. what you're thinking of? Yeah. Okay. So so architectural assistants uh, will sometimes be employed as freelancers which means that you can you know pay them a sort of quote-unquote hourly rate but then what tends to happen is that the architectural assistants have none of the freedom that independent contractors usually have because they're still working full-time in a lot of these cases they're still having to work the same hours as the practice Mm. so essentially in effect they are regular employees. Legally, they're freelancers who are doing like their own unpaid overtime. But the the effect of that is that you you essentially have a full time employee that you can pay less than minimum wage. Um, and that that's something that we heard multiple times uh, in the experiences in the open letter. That's pretty bad. It reminds me of the Uber scenario. Do you remember when they like were? It, it's exactly the same. Yeah, full time employees, but basically like it's, now it, we, yeah, it's, it's we don't exactly the same. It, it's it's taking advantage of you know the gig economy basically, uh, and it's, it's taking yeah. advantage of people's desperation uh, to work. So it's yeah, it's 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 it, it is part of like a larger problem of like zero hour contracts and freelance work and that kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's something that in the conversation of, you know, unpaid overtime and things like that, the, the, the issue of like freelancers and, um, independent contractors, that's actually something I hadn't heard, uh, mm. brought up before in discussions within architecture about this. Um, 
and yet it was something that came up a few times uh, in the experiences in the open letter. It's interesting because I'm lucky that some of the, the clients I have in terms of recruitment, they're kind of um, ethical employers. and mm-hmm. all, uh, But the idea of that happening, I, I've not heard of it myself, but bizarrely, I don't, I don't disbelieve you. I, but actually, these companies, if you're a freelance, if you've been asked to do this, mm-hmm. or you should talk about it. I think that the more, and it reminds me years ago, right, Charlie, there was this website called ArchiLeaks. You would have loved, you would have absolutely, oh, you would have loved I think it. I this. Yeah. If you, you would have loved, this is right up your street. Yeah. And so it was like ArchiLeaks.com, and you had people on there that would just be like, I work at XYZ, mm-hmm. my boss did this and that, and, yeah. you know, and it was kind of like, it was like the interesting taboo website. It was like, I've been yeah. on ArchiLeaks, and you Google your architecture practice and see if someone popped up there. And on one hand, the catch-22 is when something's anonymous, it's mm. harder to take it um, as serious because you don't know if the truth is there or not. But at the same time, it's really hard to ask someone to unanonymize themselves because then they yeah. um, it, it's, like course, the, yeah. it's like the whole Me Too thing. I mean, look, Marlon right. Manson's, you know, this week, right, with the whole everyone's coming out and saying how awful a person it is. And I was shocked because mm. I've listened to Marlon Manson's music and now I'm like, oh, my God. But, I, I, you know, it's basically like, good, he's been called out. Um, what I'm saying is we need to kind of call out these practices which are kind of taking the, the piss, excuse my language, yeah. we've taken the piss with this loophole because yeah. um, I think that one of the ways that will solve this is if we we should promote architectural practices who are looking after their staff, mm. leading from the front, inclusive environment, giving time off, going above and beyond. Uh, these practices should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, we could do an element of talking about practices which um, are maybe not as ethical, like calling out things. But I wonder whether one real powerful way of getting employees to change their ways would be to champion the amazing architectural practices i'll tell you what speaking of the spot i'll do mm-hmm. something with you we could do okay. a little thing in the architecture social where if we find out amazing architectural practices which mm-hmm. look after their staff i will put them on the website i will put all the contact details there we can then rally up really good all the uh, all the architectural students of the world can look and see like holy moly this company is amazing they'll get yeah. loads of applicants yeah, and therefore, yeah, yeah. maybe in a business way, we can start conditioning employers to think, oh, shit, I want to be on Steve's website, um, yeah. or we want to be on Arctic Social and get Charlie's recommendation as a good employer, because yeah. then suddenly they'll get loads of good people going. Maybe that's an idea? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think something that is a lot more um, powerful today than it was you know, even like 10 years ago is um, how the, the, the sort of me- mechanisms that we can use to create sort of grassroots movements like you just discussed. Um, mm. So, you know, like the, you, like some, something that's really uh, been kind of crazy to wrap my head around in, in, in this whole process is that from the first survey we released about this to this point of getting, you know, what 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 are we on right now? 
like 670 signatures or something. I basically haven't left this house. <laughs> like I I've I, I I I've done half of this in sweatpants like on a phone. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. there the, 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 there is there uh, despite all of the problems with you know social media there the, there is so much potential um through it yeah. to facilitate this kind of like grassroots campaigning um this sort of like collective voice of people who traditionally do not get to speak sort of put their head above the parapet and say something so yeah. you know i think there's a lot of opportunity in the these sort of systems like you know think think about this you know even even 10 years ago even 10 years ago i i would probably be like maybe emailing the open letter around to people maybe i'd be putting it up on the wall of my studio that kind of thing yeah do you think i would have been able to get a response from reba in four days of doing that no but with no. instagram we had reba like reach out to us and be like hi we've read the letter we'll be in touch it, within yeah. within four days of like but- getting yeah. people to sign it so you know these these tools are really there, there's so much potential in them for this kind of organizing um yeah. and i i think there's definitely a lot of potential in terms of like like you said sort of b- boosting the the profile of people who who are sort of practicing in a very um progressive and ethical way uh yeah. I, I think there's a, a lot of potential for that um and yeah, I, 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 I really just hope that this this kind of c- collective will and collective ability to influence something leads to a, a lot more kind of awareness and a lot more willingness to engage with the sort of current systems that we uh, work within. Because you know, one of the huge problems with like the last Reba presidential election, for example, was the turnout was abysmal, like. So few people voted for the new president, um, and especially so few like student members. And it, it, it's just because we 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 feel powerless in the system. So it's like, oh, what's the point of voting? It's not going to change anything anyway. Yeah. So these kind of like organizational structures that kind of break down how things work and tell people you can influence the very highest levels of the organizations that you participate in if you work with other people i i you know i really hope that that could lead to this kind of larger change in in the current of the profession in in, yeah. in, in like an ideal world in well, ideal future. i mean i'll be i'll be really honest with you it's like it can go two ways right like we're trying here now and it, it depends on um you know you, you, it's got to be an important issue. And what the, the one thing you've got to be careful with social media is, is that you're right, it's about a cause and it's about, really, it's the community which gets behind the open letter which will drive mm-hmm. it, right? But if it's suddenly the flavour of the week, and this is the thing of, like, with Instagram, it's like, oh, faff's a bit of fun this week, and yeah, but, but mm-hmm. people have got to really get behind the message, and I think they are. And what I will say to you is, rather than, like, hey, you thanks, Charlie, you've been this week's podcast and he'll go live next week and then me and you never speak again. (laughs) What I would love to do is I seriously think it's a great idea. And what I quite like about with the architecture social and take it, take it in a nice way with the faff, right? No one, I felt there was no space for 
online people to have real conversations or I felt because I was on furlough last year yeah. and the idea of being a part one or part two during this time it was is a bit of a shitty scenario and what was nice is that building out originally it was a bit of a resource for uh you know give hopefully giving a bit of support to people and kind of empowering people to to go on with their search and since then it's kind of become a community and one of the things I'm really passionate about is championing people or architecture practices which i think are doing it the right way mm. so i'll do you a deal um and uh, we'll get you i want the charlie uh, we'll call it i don't know maybe we'll call it the faff award uh, hear your thoughts on this right but if you give the faff award to the best architectural practice mm-hmm. i think that would be cool and i what i'll do now i mean you don't have to do it but just saying i invented the faff awards <laughs> If it becomes as big as the the medals and stuff, I want you to remember your old pal Steve here. <laughs> I'll be like, I we came up with that a name, and yeah, you'll be like, yeah, 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 well, whatever, Steve. But um, <laughs> I think that's how you you make change, and I do think it's important to recognize where people have gone wrong. But it's mm-hmm. a bit like, you know, when like an awful event happens, and I almost don't want to give the limelight to bad employers because I'm just like, forget that. I rather just spend the energy on like. For instance, good employers I know, EPR I work there, I think they're very good. Hawkins mm. Brown, they've kind of got a cool culture there, and they, they've got amazing benefits, amazing rewards. And so my um, uh, one of the – Chris Artists has actually joined the – um, uh, working at a developer right now where they're very liberal with um, you can work whatever hours you want, kind of beanbag mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. very inclusivity. And this is really, really important stuff. And we need to be talking about, you know, how to – employ people uh properly how to be inclusive we need to talk about um like what we were saying earlier people need uh, need to remember that if they what if they are going to work unpaid overtime it's their choice they're not contractually abound and we need to champion companies which like do it the right way so mm. what, what one of the parts in the architecture social is like a directory that i'm trying to build up of architectural practices but what mm-hmm. we can do, and I'm serious, man, is that I'm happy in the directory to mm-hmm. give emphasis to good employers. And I'll tell you what, I will not put someone on the directory. I'll take I'll take them oh feel like swearing here. Oh whatever, we swear this. I'll take them <laughs> fucking off the directory if they're yeah, an yeah, awful yeah. architectural practice. Cause I'll yeah. I'll black I'll I wanna say blacklist here, but I am not okay with the idea of someone um you know, hiring people or treating people the the wrong way. The good news is I think an awful lot of practices do it right or their intentions are getting there. Mm-hmm. We just got to keep the conversation going. And I think that from my point of view of seeing recruitment from um, the mid side, uh, the sideline, I do think that there's actually a huge financial gain for companies to, um, to treat people a little bit better mm. um, because they'll stay longer. They'll be better staff. They'll be more motivated and the output will be better. Yeah. So my thoughts on it. Mm. Um, what do you think? Should we do the Charlie Award? Should we call it the Charlie Award or the Faf Award? Uh, oh, God. I, 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 I would feel incredibly uh, <laughs> false, like, pretending <laughs> that, like, you know, my opinion was, like, something worth giving an award uh from um I, can, I, I think i see it a bit more tongue-in-cheek like the mm-hmm. fact award is not you know it's like i tell you what i did a really good i went to a, a talk uh before the covid where 
you know, there's, oh my gosh, what was the name of it? Um, something, talk, Negroni Talks. Mm-hmm. And so it was quite a controversial one where they were talking about what the value of awards are in architecture, you know, and mm. it's kind of like yeah. the award. And did you know there's an awards ceremony for awards ceremonies? So the awards <laughs> of the awards, which is an doesn't, absolute doesn't surprise me. It's an absolute circle jerk, really, isn't it? But basically, yeah. I do think though, architectural practices which do good should be recognised, and I do think it would be a bit of fun, bit of faff. To to um, because what what's really interesting about speaking to you is you're very approachable, right? You're very open to communication. The first mm. time you added me on um Instagram, I was like, oh oh, what 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 world of pain is this? And I'm like, uh, I gotta be careful. Whereas, but actually, no, because you're a human being and you actually there's a really good agenda here, and yeah. I think it's a, there's a nice spirit with it as well with the <clears throat> memes and. You know, so yeah, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you do. Are you interested in making it like? Are you interested? In, what what at what point is fact to you reached its goals? Uh, is it the FAF <laughs> award, or are you go like Stephen? That's a terrible idea. Or what is? Um, where do you see FAF going? I right think... now, it's about getting the open letter right. But after that, where are we going? Yeah. So. Yeah, originally it was very much just about the open letter. Well, so, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's kind of connected to, like, the reason for, like, making the group at all, because for half of the campaign, for, for the entire time we were gathering, uh, the, we, would, we were doing the survey and things like that, that, that there were, like, FAF has only existed for, like, six days. Like, the, <laughs> this... This entire thing was, for the majority of the time, just led from like my Instagram account, um, and and the reason I decided to like shift it away from like me as an individual was that one, like I I, I had been working with like some you know incredibly uh, intelligent, competent people in terms yeah. of like developing the survey, writing the letter, that kind of thing. So I, I kind of wanted to like take my face off of it because it, it was like a, a, a group effort. Um, and the, yeah, the, the other thing was, um, I suppose it was kind of like this subconscious ambition for it to be more than what I had originally intended for it to be. Because originally mm. I was like, in my head, I was like, do the survey, write the letter, send the letter, <laughs> do something else. Like, you know, g- get get back to, like, w- my life, whatever I'm doing. Um, and the, I think the, the, the motivation for trying to turn it into, like, a kind of group or a, um, you know, Instagram loves to use the word community. Um, the reason for that was that I... I'm a little skeptical about the response we're going to get from Reba, first of all. Um, yeah. So I, I have a feeling that the response is going to be very... Uh, it, it's just going to be like, 
them trying to placate us and being like, oh, yes, we're, we are actively working on this and we, we, we're doing lots of good things and we won't tell you what it is, but we're going to say the right things. Uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting. You know, again, I'm probably maybe being a bit cynical, but that, that's what I'm expecting. Um, yeah. And so in terms of the longevity of this, I think the reason why this connected, because, you know, th- th- there have been a lot of campaigns like this, like um, U- U- uh, UVW Saw has done like really big campaigns like this. Uh, you know, articles going back years and years and years are talking about unpaid overtime in the profession. Like we're not raising any of these topics for the first time. Um, what, what I think is, what I think there, that there is a unique uh, opportunity to take advantage of by a group like FAF is um, that things like, UVW saw right they they're they're like a proper union so they represent working people and what we've seen is that the ambiguity of the architectural assistant position means that they they're going to be less likely to join a union because they are they workers uh-huh. are they students we don't really know uh-huh. we also don't really have a voice for students apart from like like architecture societies and universities are great and like they've done so much to like publicize the the letter and get signatures for us like so many societies have shared it and emailed it to people but the problem with that is that you know you're only in a society like that for a couple of years and then you leave so the the, mm-hmm. the the ways that it can sort of work for people are limited by that time frame so i, I think i was looking at something like faf as an opportunity to represent the people in the precarious working situations, the, the the people in the ambiguous space between student and worker, for for students themselves, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, the thing I think people responded really well to with the open letter is that it wasn't just we didn't start with the open letter. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't just us being like, here's what we think is wrong. Uh, nag nag nag. Like do do this reba, do that reba. It was. First, we did a survey. We put together like a, a lot of data. We did the research, and yeah. I think that's what people responded to the most in the letter. Is that it wasn't just like off the cuff. It was, it it, it was based on hundreds of, uh, of people's opinions and experiences. Um, and so that is kind of, you know. If if there is a if there's a life after the open letter, which I hope there will be, um, I hope it's almost like an opportunity for FAF to be kind of like a like a research group that studies the conditions of employment and studies the uh, the, the 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 system of architecture as as education as business and kind of produces like reports or data about what's working what isn't working what needs to change um mm. and you know that and but like you know a, a lot of that is because you know a, a lot of my architecture background is in like research and writing and things like that so that that's kind of my momentum and my yeah. kind of idea of what could be done um but also like i just want other people to to work on it as well you know what i mean like i yeah. ideally in maybe a month or two, like I would want me to be looking at it like maybe once a week 
and yeah. it to just kind of be something that like a group of people who you know all are kind of committed to like improving equity in the profession are all kind of collaboratively working on um and then then i don't know for me it feels less like a like a vanity project or like it feels less like my thing it's like it's like actually something that is kind of being collaboratively worked on for the the benefit of the people who are in the most vulnerable positions in the profession right now yeah i think that that do you know what it resonates a lot with me um you've inspired me from this and i'll give you i mean you you can hold me accountable a little bit but what i'm gonna do <laughs> is no seriously because what i quite like is that the architecture social and a little bit partly because of my um yeah working in the industry is important but in terms of mm. recruitment uh, i'm in that little world of employment Mm-hmm. One of the goals of the architecture social is to bring practices closer to students and kind of almost remove some of the barriers in terms of recruitment. And I'm saying like to employers, you can sign up there and start hiring people straight away. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I am going to do, and this has all come to the forefront from the FAF, seriously, is that I am going to champion on the social employers that I think do it right. And we will see from in my, and that'll be maybe my little way of doing my little bit of faff or whatever, right? Mm. But maybe that will have a little bit of a positive change. Maybe not. I don't know, but we'll see together. Um, I predict that that could um, make a little bit of a ripple effect. But this is the point is that that's just me doing my little thing in my little world and everyone as perspective into faff, whether you've experienced an industry or whether you're sharing the open letter or you're discussing it or you're speaking to Reba or you're speaking to your employer and talking about these things, that's what's going to make the difference. And actually, mm-hmm. and this is the important thing to get, I think, is that that just clicking a like, yeah, there's a little bit of a value in it, but everyone should discuss it. Do you agree with the the five points? Do you disagree? It's really mm. important to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's going to have the change. So it's really good that Reba has acknowledged it. Great. Next step is discussing it. So mm. Reba, if you're listening, there you go. <laughs> you've, you've got Charlie A. He's quite accessible. And um, I'm sure, I think that one of the ways that would um, open this conversation up is that conversation with Reba. Mm. So, Hopefully, as much as I enjoyed your meme of uh, 300 Sparta and Reba coming down from the mountain, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wonder, and I, I actually have a funny feeling that, because Reba's a big company, um, a big. Reba Future Architects could be a way in, because they seem like a bit of a fun, responsive team, and they're they're active on Instagram, so they have, I have no doubt they they know what, they know what the faff is about. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Reba Re- Re- Education follows us, so I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure they've seen it. Reba Re- Future Architects. All right, you go. We gotta do a little faff meme at them and see what happens. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really funny you said that because I actually made one today, and I was like, "This, this is, this is too divisive." Have we, have we gone too much? Have we gone too up? It, it, it was, it was the moment where I looked at it and I was like. 
this is too much. <laughs> right. Send it to me my, on WhatsApp and I'll tell you, I'll be like, Charlie, mate, you've gone a bit too far here. You've got to build up to these things. So I'm will. like, you're going to lose, you're going to lose them. We've got to win know, people over, mate. I know. You know? I, it's have like, to, I have to temper like my own personal style of humor, which is mean. Basically, like my my, my <laughs> yeah. humor is a little mean. He's not like I don't go you anywhere. I don't, then suddenly I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way. I think I think it's uh, it, it it is it's actually part of a larger opinion, which is that if you are trying to negotiate with someone at a position of like far greater power to you, right? Mm. You can rib them a bit, you know. You can roast yeah, them you a can, bit. You can, you that, can, you that can levels the playing field, right? Yeah, I know. I, 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 I know feel what okay doing is. it. I feel okay doing it to Reba, like big, like big strong Reba. I feel okay doing it to them. I think doing it to the future architects, I'd feel a bit bad because I think they, they, they mean well. I think they're doing good things and that their their hearts are in the right place. It's yeah. the people I am completely unapologetic about being antagonistic towards are the people at the top. I know who you are. Patrick got a bad time on our podcast in the earlier. But I tell you what, right? I think the re- get the re- future architects because um, imagine the way of changes that that conversation going everywhere, and they are part of Reba, and they're probably going to be a really good factor to have on your site because it's such a big organization. And what yeah. I would say, right, from what I've learned is that. I worked in, like, even EPR, right, is 200 people. The bigger the companies are, and, like, a McDonald's company where I work, it's mm-hmm. all good intentions, but big companies, it takes a while for decisions, right? But the more and more people can influence these decisions, then you'll make a big difference. So, uh, so Reba Future Architects, uh, let me look at the camera. Reba Future Architects, all right. We're, we're, we, I'm going to send a link to them on this, and I'll... We'll test them because it's quite a thing. We'll see if they got to the hour and thirteen minute mark, and yeah, let's that's, let's see if they yeah. let's see let's see let's do a word to see if they got. I'll say what word did we say? Pizza so, Hut roof. What word? Or, I was going to say roof. oranges. What were you going to say? I said Pizza Hut roof. Okay, Pizza Hut roof. So if you if you <laughs> if you at um, Bath with Pizza Hut roof, or you message me and say oranges, <laughs> I will then post that. And we know that you're listening. I have, I uh, I feel like I'm. You know what I feel like? I feel like um, you know the Star Wars. I'm I'm memeing. I'm memeing everything with you now. I feel like um, <laughs> Obi Wan. You're my only hope. Reaper Future Architects. You're oh, my only God, hope. Yeah. Come on, send us the oranges and the Pizza Hut roof. <laughs> but, but look, I think that um, I kind of we touched upon your other point of accountability for exploitative work environments, and that's the bit I'm quite passionate about. So what I'll mm. do is. I'm gonna I'm gonna cherish people employers that I feel are doing it right. You have my commitment on that because it's kind of in line right. with my goals. Um, but yeah, Reba should hold them accountable. I'll do my thing. They'll do. Hopefully, they'll do their your thing. The other points here, um, I think maybe we can touch upon it another time because otherwise, I'm gonna. I like to talk a lot, but we, you know, right now we're like Lord of the Rings one. I want to keep it short yeah, and sweet yeah, for yeah, everyone, yeah. and we've had a fun tone. But you you address your greater transparency in all of Reba's budget. Yeah, um, fair enough, really, isn't it? And yeah, establish yeah. a more representative governing body. And I yeah. think that's more of um, a talking point directly with Reba. But I think um, it makes sense. So for anyone that's kind of got to this point, well done. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I've I've been in a talking mood today, guys, and I've quite enjoyed uh, having a chat with Charlie. But I just to remind everyone, 
You can find Faf on Instagram. I'm going to post uh, the link to Faf. Um, I quite enjoy saying Faf, 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 Faf. Um, it, it's uh, good branding. I, yeah, it's so good, isn't it? I'm going to post <laughs> the open letter on this podcast. I'm going to try and get that out this weekend because I think t- um, it will be fun to have it ready for everyone at Reba yeah, for Monday morning. by the time people read it, we might have come close to a thousand signatures. Yeah, how cool would that That'd be? be we'll get that yeah. out. But for um, yeah, I was going to say, do you have any questions for me, Charlie? And flip the uh, flip the chat around a bit. Um, I think not so much of a question, but it's very sort of reaffirming to see that people in other um, sectors of you know the architecture industry um, are aware of these issues, and you know sort of sympathetic to it uh, because, you know, some, especially when you're a student or when you're an architectural assistant, sometimes it does appear very much as if we're kind of uh, left out to dry. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it, the, the, the whole uh, motive of the, the sort of group FAF itself is to kind of uh, foster that sort of, solidarity between people so it's uh very very reaffirming to sort of get that from not just other people who are architectural assistants but from people who are in other sort of sectors of the umbrella of architecture as well yeah of course and look my pleasure i mean this where it's close to home is that i'm a part two that's not in a conventional way and uh I do think that you're right. There is this like part two hole you can fall into. Mm. And I, what I do think, and what's been quite refreshing about this is that I actually do agree with a lot of the things here. And I have seen it from the employer's end of the scale where sometimes good intentions, um, there are good intentions there. Sometimes it can get lost. I do feel like a lot of architectural practices are doing it right, the right way. But what is clear from this is that I think we need to champion the ones that are doing it right because I think that will lead change because slowly the less attention um, practices which have um, bad practices, right? Uh, that it, it's going to... The fact that the good companies are getting the spotlight, they'll get mm. all the amazing people really interested in the bright, young, passionate, diverse, inclusive students, and they'll have a plethora of skill sets that are dying to work at them because they're a nice place to work. So it kind of solves the problem. And then, you know, then you can imagine, like, your member Parallel Universe, Charlie's architecture practice, and then, you know, at the end of the conversation, like, you're like, Steve, no one's applying to me anymore. And I'll be like, well, yeah, Charlie, you bloody worked everyone into the grave, mate. No one wants <laughs> And your reputation precedes you. And that's what I... I think it's really important for employers to remember is that your reputation is worth its weight in gold. And when you're interviewing people, you have to treat them with respect. When you, when they're employed there, you know, sometimes things don't go the right way because mm. it's life, but you need to constantly, you know, speak to employee, employees, ask their feedback, say, look, sorry that this happened with a deadline. We're going to try and work things out. Mm. We're going to try and do this. You need to kind of bring people into the process but like a good example is JTP, right? The amount of awards they've won for being good employers mm. is um, amazing. So John Thompson and Partners, I've worked okay. with them on recruitment. They are really good. No mm. one ever leaves there. And it's yeah. the same with Richard Rogers, right? Mm. I, I have a joke sometimes that 
the only people that leave Richard Rogers' practices is when they either quit architecture or they die because it's there because <laughs> it's a good it's a good place to work. They enjoy the design and you're not mm. worked into the you know, you're not worked into the grave early and it, people love it. So mm. that's I never ever see in my professional career, Charlie, a CV from Richard Rogers. They they have that green carpet as well. I bet that makes a big difference. There you go. <laughs> right, we need the green carpet. I think that were a great idea. Thank you so much, Charlie. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And we will put the links for that. And just before we go, anyone listening to find you, where should they find you? Yeah, so the group is uh, front on Instagram. And uh, my personal account is charlie underscore edmo edmo amazing fantastic thank you so much everyone this has been the architecture social and now charlie i'm going to end the chat don't um go out because i've had another guest cut the call off and i've got to upload the podcast so thank you so much mate stay here and we'll see everyone next time great